0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Today, we have a crazy story of revenge against somebody's own parents. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, teaching my friend a lesson. Everything comes in twos. The duality of existence, life and death, left and right, good and bad. Concepts and their opposites exist across the board. From morals to physics, nature, direction, religion, and so on. Sometimes we think the opposite of one thing is its consequence. That the effect at the end of the cause is what is the conflict of it. A good example is love. And I use love because that is where we're going with this. The opposite of love is not hate. Hate is the byproduct of love, betrayed, or lost. Hate is greatest when the love that births it abounds. Hate is not the opposite of love. On the summer of the best and most contradicting year of my life so far, I met Margaret, and by God, she was the most beautiful person I'd ever seen. She had the mind of an artist, a laugh like summer rain and the eyes of an adventurer. Her eyes were soft like pressed velvet and her skin smooth like bronze silk. Ethereal and i was more than prepared to give whatever i had to have her be mine so of course it was by the hands of my best friend i lost her a friend i'd known since my legs were strong enough to hold my full weight there with me through my shoulders learning to carry the full weight of my failures and finally here as i fall in love with the first woman with whom i'd ever chosen to settle down with i was in it with her for the long ride and there he was lusting over her in the proverbial back seat of the car We met at the party, like most people do. I had been getting my ear talked off by a guy I would given my lighter to use about the complexities of ending things being recorded in men. Now don't get me wrong, I care about many, and our many trials and tribulations that are mostly inflicted on ourselves, that was just neither the time nor the place to have a conversation about it. Luckily David walks over to me holding a red disposable cup of beer with someone in tow. I do a double take and there she is the beginning of my downfall. He introduces us and shoes the stranger away, much to their confusion and much to my relief because I wasn't sure how long I could have held out. She was a star and I was a planet there to bask in her light. My relationship with Margaret started out very simple. We got to know each other better through meeting David's setup. Finding out we had a lot more than I assumed we had in common was possibly one of the best things that could have happened for me. She laughed at my jokes, where David would tease me about being horrible at jokes. She makes me laugh more than I'd ever laughed. I see the looks David gives us and laugh at his visible disgust at the way we interact. We don't start dating until a month after we met. To say that it was the best time I'd ever spent with another person would be an understatement. We went on the most wonderful dates, some of them planned by her. We had the most fun activities that we occasionally invited David for. It was beautiful. There were times where we'd fight over the dumbest things, but the arguments never lasted. We were a team. We fought our problems together. We sometimes literally fought other people that tried to get at either one of us. She took me on adventures I don't think I would have ever experienced without her. But there's a saying about things and coming to an end. She wanted a pet cat. I told her I didn't think I could ever take care of a small animal she had laughed at that. She told me all her dreams, all the movies she couldn't wait to watch, all the places she couldn't wait to see, and she promised, she promised, to show me all the magic of those places. I remember the day it happened very clearly. The day everything went to heck, and if I ever forget how it happened, I will never forget by whose hands it did. I'd woken up late because of the workload I had the night before, Margaret and I hadn't seen each other for a week but we'd been in contact until the last two days, which I had assumed had to do with her work. That morning though, my phone was full of messages and more seemed to be coming in. I at first thought it was of work, but the number of messages coupled by the places and people they were coming from made me suspicious. Then I opened one of the messages to see a video. This was where it started. This was where it all went to heck. My first mistake was opening the video. Margaret's face stared back at me, tears in her eyes and a look of desperation in her face. It was a video of her, hooking up with someone. The voice of the other person in the video didn't register to me at first. All I could see was the look on her face as she was turned over. Anger built in my chest. My second mistake was deleting the video before I called her. Her phone rang multiple times but no one picked up. I'd become panicked, angry and confused. Then it clicked the voice I had heard. The voice of the person hooking up with her? David. Days passed without me hearing anything from Margaret. I'd gone over to David's and confronted him. He lied that he was drunk and didn't remember a lot of what happened that night, but he never denied that it had in fact happened. I avoided him as much as I could, still looking for a way to contact Margaret, to no avail. Her phone was switched off. It wasn't until two days later that I'd gotten the news. Her body had been found. Margaret was dead. She had ended things. It hadn't felt real. I had run to her house hoping to see her smiling and lighting up the room. Hoping to see the woman I'd fallen in love with in her element. Welcoming me with her warm hugs and a cup of tea. She loved tea. But she wasn't there. There was no one there. In that moment, I understood what loss felt like. I was hollowed out. For days I'd felt nothing but regret and pain. I had woken up one dreary morning, forgetting that I'd lost the sun. I'd made tea for two. It was a Wednesday. We had tea together on Wednesdays. No one came in the door with their spare key. No one sat opposite me with a bright smile and a story of their past week or of Jenny from accounting. So for the last few minutes before it dawned on me that I was alone, I had sat and waited, and waited, and waited. Then I'd broken into tears, knocking my tea to the floor, Then my phone pinged with a notification and i'd run to it hoping against all hope it was a message from an unknown number i stood in front of david's parents house my plan was fully done my anger and hatred my motivation margaret could not have died for nothing it took a moment for someone to get to the door it had been mrs charter perfect is mr charter home ma'am i'd asked no honey he isn't even better would you like to see him to which I responded that I had in fact come to see her and would have preferred to not have had an audience. Setting up a party was the easy part, getting David and his father to attend was where I had a little bit of a challenge, but it wasn't impossible, and I'd found myself doing the impossible lately, like waking up to a world without Margaret, or going about my day like none of it had completely broken me, having to see David every other day and pretend like I didn't. Like I didn't want to watch him suffer in the most creative ways was the hardest part, but here I stood, having made it to the end. Once David and his father had arrived and gotten into the groove of the party, I had made my appearance, this time no longer as a friend. This time I came as the fury of the person he ruined, the hate of the person he broke, the vengeance of the person he killed. Hello David, Mr. Charter. My voice holds so much hate, so much contempt that I almost don't recognize it. Then all the lights in the room go off. There's a little bit of a commotion, but I inform everyone to calm down and excuse it as the beginning of a short presentation for an old friend of mine. The projectors come on and the sound system kicks into play first. The sounds of a woman moaning fill the room right before the video comes on showing Mrs. Charter in loving embrace of a stranger on her marital bed. I see the outrage on Mr. Charter's face and the dismay on David's. Then I begin my commentary. See, the challenge of getting all this done wasn't in getting Mrs. Charter to hook up with a total stranger, she was known amongst David's friends as being quite promiscuous. Especially flirting with her son's friends, the challenge had lay in mostly convincing her to sleep with someone she didn't know, and getting every second of it filmed on camera, which was then edited into the very wonderful presentation that David and his very enabling father were forced to watch in a crowd of influential strangers and social media influencers the look of rage and shame on david's face makes something in me settle some deep hunger sated but this wasn't about me it was about margaret who he had assaulted and recorded and then used an anonymous social media account to post on for the world to see, eventually leading to her taking her life. It was all about the woman he had did the same to or similar and threatened or bribed into silence through his father. So I sat at a safe distance from the isolated father and son and watched as their world was ruined around them. I sat and watched, content that I'd brought down the man who had taken her from me, thinking there would be no consequences. I cared not for what happened next, if I lost my job for a stunt like this, if I was shamed on social media for stooping so low, or left by all the people who claimed they had cared for me. I had lost the only person who mattered, and I would take David down through heck with me. Days later, I sat on the freshly mowed grass of the cemetery. It was a Wednesday and I'd brought tea. i tell her about Francis from finance. i tell her about David and how he got what he finally got what he deserved. I tell her about how dull the days are now. I tell her about how tired I am of everything. I tell her of my hate. I tell her how I understood then what the opposite of love was. How hate is only the corruption of love felt. I tell her about the kitten I got, how it makes the days a bit brighter. I tell her all the things she would have laughed about and all the things she's missed out on. I tell her I miss her, and as the sun sets, I promise to find her across eternity so I can tell her how much I'd loved her. I'm not gonna lie, that was quite possibly one of the most hard-hitting nuclear revenge stories I have ever read. It felt like I was reading a nuclear revenge story wrapped up in a love letter, like OP finally had some catharsis or closure in writing this and poured their whole emotion into it. That said, our next story is getting back at my parents. I loathed Stanley Norman, but he was a convenient means to an end. This is a means that I would have never been employed if I didn't know about the mutual emotions that ran through the whole school concerning him, and if my plan worked well, I would have what I wanted, and I would never have to talk to Stanley Norman again. So, against my better judgement, and the astonishment of my friends and everyone in the cafeteria, including Stanley, I approached him one day at lunch, I stood in front of him with a big smile and extended my strawberry juice toward him. I had noticed earlier that someone beat him to the last one, and he looked a bit sad. He took it with a shy look and a silent thank you, one I had to strain my ears to hear. I took a seat opposite him and smiled, waiting for him to take a sip of the juice before I spoke. I could feel everyone's gaze burning into the back, but I refused to indulge them. The last thing I wanted was to lose my wit by locking my gaze on someone else. Stanley took a sip of the juice and smiled and then he asked what I was doing so far away from my table. I told him I came to apologize for the other day that I made him fall in the hallway. Technically, it was my friend, Annika, who did that, but I was there and didn't say anything, so I was just as guilty. He waved his hand to dismiss it, not saying anything in case I was playing a prank on him. I really wasn't. The prank I was playing was on myself. We started talking, and funny enough. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes, until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Stanley was not such a dork after all. After the bell rang, indicating the end of lunch, I invited him to see a movie with me. At first, he declined, not wanting any trouble, but I insisted that there was no one for him to get in trouble with. After much thought and a sprinkle of charm on my path, he finally agreed. And just like that, my plan started to take form. I knew it wouldn't take long for the news to spread around school that stanley and i were going to see a movie to speed up the process i told the worst gossip in school trinity my friend had a knack for gossip which was why i never told her anything relevant about my life the last thing i wanted was my business out in the open for snobbish kids to pick on but she proved herself useful because before the close of school I was called into the principal's office where my parents and Stanley's parents were seated. Way to go, mom. You had to go all out for this one. Mission accomplished. The only thing I was sorry about was putting the principal and Stanley in the middle of this, but I had achieved what I wanted, or so I thought. After my parents inquired about Stanley and why he'd forced himself on me and stolen my juice, I was dumbfounded. Was that how the story had been embellished? I tried to clear the air and tell them what happened, but no one believed me especially since no student had come out as a witness including my friends later when i confronted them about it annika said she was looking out for me and didn't want to soil my reputation in true character my mom managed to make everything about herself and how she should restrict me more like my life wasn't already restricted enough she also promised not to press charges because it was her anniversary week and she was in a good mood After the principal thanked her for being a good sport and we were on our way home, she berated me for throwing absurd tantrums. She informed me that she didn't have time for my shenanigans and that the last person I should be hanging around was Stanley Norman. Then she forgot about me, literally. It was almost as if I wasn't in the car anymore or lived in the same house with her. But I'd gotten what I wanted even though I craved more. For once. I had stirred her attention in my direction and I was going to enjoy it throughout high school because that was all I got after. The next time my parents paid attention to what was happening in my life was when my college boyfriend Matthias proposed to me. He was a good looking man with a solid career in finance and a heart full of love for me. Meeting Matthias was one of the best things that ever happened to me. His attention to my needs and wants, his continuous checking up on me, and the fact that he loved my weird taste in music. It was such a relief to be able to listen to music and not be questioned about why you chose a particular song. Matthias was the other half that I needed, but my parents didn't think so. I'd been questioning my decision to take him home for Thanksgiving, and it was when the drama started that I know I should have listened to my instincts. First of all, it was the way my parents welcomed us both when we arrived. I clearly remember calling my father several times about our location before arriving at his house, but somehow he forgot all of that. He scolded me for just showing up unannounced and wondered what I would have done if he and my mother had traveled. Of course, he didn't fail to mention how I'd prevented them from going on several trips due to having to take care of me. I, like a thousand times before, apologized for my existence and hugged him in our especially awkward father and daughter hug. I introduced Matthias to him and he simply stared at him like he was a ghost before moving to the kitchen where my mother was pretending that she hadn't heard us arrive. My parents truly were the best actors in the world. It was like they purposely acted nonchalant sometimes to piss me off. Matthias weirdly looked at me and I just shook my head because I couldn't begin to explain what had just played out. I took our bags to my old room and came back downstairs to greet my mother. She was making her famous meat pie and salad for dinner, a combination I still didn't understand to this day. She looked at Matthias the same way my father had, with an air of indifference. She welcomed me a little warmer than usual but still in that evasive way of hers. Matthias and I helped to set the dinner table while my father brought out the food from the kitchen. After everywhere was set up, my mother took a picture to update her many snobbish friends about what was going on in her life. She was such a people pleaser but then it was working for her because she had many minions at her beck and call. When she was done with her photography, we sat down for dinner. We hadn't even taken two bites of dinner before they started bombarding Matthias with many personal questions. It was almost like they had rehearsed everything before we got there. They hardly waited for the poor boy to finish answering one question before they were hitting him with the next one. At some point Matthias got flustered and had to leave the table. My mother turned her disappointed gaze on me and said that she didn't expect me to do any better, then went back to her meal. It was so embarrassing. They would never allow me to have breathing room. They hated me for my existence, and because of that, they didn't want me to have full control. They would rather be absent and still controlling. It was suffocating. How was I supposed to thrive? The humiliating part was when Matthias left without a goodbye, just a flimsy letter wishing me luck with my parents. He hadn't even waited for me to wake up. After that incident, and my painful breakup, I decided that I'd put up with my parents long enough. So, after my graduation, the one that they didn't attend, I didn't go back home. I wasn't obligated to since they had no control anymore. They weren't paying my fees and that in itself was an escape. I didn't look back or feel guilty for not informing them about anything before disappearing. They deserved it. I deserved it. I moved in with my friend Sienna. Her parents had gifted her an apartment for her graduation. It was exhilarating to be away from the shackles of my parents. But it was also scary because I didn't have control of what happened next in my life. But I was determined to change that and take control of every single step. And with Sienna's help, I figured out how to stand on my own two feet. It wasn't easy, with all the job rejections and having to work menial jobs to keep food on our table. But what got me through it all was Sienna's positive attitude and a surprise reconnection with someone from my past. So it happened when I was on a coffee break from work. I decided to use the time to do my pedicure. Hopefully my boss wouldn't come back earlier than I expected and need me for anything. The appointment took longer than I expected, so I had to rush back to the office before I got fired. It was then that the most hilarious thing happened. I slipped on something, And instead of trying to save my behind, I stuck my hands out so I wouldn't land on my fresh pedicure. The League of Women would be proud of me, but the entire human race probably knew that it was the dumbest thing I could have ever have done. Thankfully, before my tush touched the floor, someone grabbed me from behind. Lo and behold, when I caught my breath and was steady enough, the face that greeted me was an unexpected one. I don't know how I recognized him because he looked so much different than when we were in high school, but it was Stanley. He grinned at me and, like they say in the movies, the rest was history. Meeting Stanley was a pivotal point in my life and it was a good change. I was happy, I was thriving, and nothing could spoil my happiness. Or so I thought until my parents somehow found me and wiggled their way back into my life. My father had a bad business deal that had taken everything from them. They had nowhere to live, had no money to survive on, and had used the last bit of it to find me. My first thought had been to turn them away, but Stanley stood against it. I was shocked because they hadn't been nice to him in any way and didn't deserve his sympathy. He assured me that he'd forgiven them for what happened back then and that they were still my parents despite everything that we'd gone through. After much thought and a lot of persuasion on Stanley's path, I decided to give them another chance. But I wasn't about to make it easy for them. If they wanted me to support them until they got back on their feet, then they would have to play by my rules. I was about to have my revenge and I didn't care that it was on the people who had birthed me. It wasn't as if they had taken it easy on me either. I laid out my rules to them and told them that if they wanted to stay with me, they would have to live by them. My mother protested, telling me that I couldn't restrict her movements as she was still vibrant enough to explore. I informed her that if she wanted to explore, she was free to get a job that would pay for her exploration. I was not going to give her a dime to indulge. She of course thought I was bluffing and just wanted to scare them out of the house. I showed her that I meant every word I had said when I was called to a boutique one day and informed her that her card had been declined. She was appalled at not having enough cash in her account and scolded me for not sending the money she asked for. I calmly informed her that I would given her an allowance for the month and that if she wanted anything extra, she could work for it. Besides, she had taught me that a proper lady should have her own source of income. I refused to pay for the clothes she bought, and that wasn't me being mean. My mother had always been an impulsive spender. If she wanted to buy things she didn't need, she could do it on her own dime. When my parents realized that I wasn't budging with my rules, they turned to Stanley. They tried to sweet talk my husband into being on their side. My mother even tricked him into taking her shopping one day when I was away on a work trip. Stanley indulged her because he felt a little bad for them, but also to show her that he was a better human than she was. He even introduced my father to some investors that could help him with his company. I questioned if that was a good idea, but Stanley assured me that it was a good idea. The sooner they got back on their feet, the sooner they could be out of our lives. He didn't like how I was when they were around. It was almost as if they were doling my brightness. I completely agreed that I wanted them gone, but... I also wanted him to be careful. Where Stanley finally drew the line to their antics was when one of the investors who was a good friend of ours informed Stanley that my father had tried to broker a deal behind Stanley's back. Stanley sat my father down and informed him about what he'd been told and wanted to confirm if it had been true. My father told Stanley that he wasn't a child and didn't need to be micromanaged or watched like a criminal. Stanley calmly told my father that he had put up with him and my mother because he had wanted to see if they could become decent people for once. He told them that they didn't deserve me or the life that I'd allowed them into. He wondered how they could be so cruel towards their own child. He informed my mother about the gossip she had been spreading in the estate about me her own daughter. He assured her that the woman had come to express their displeasure because I was a respectable individual in the estate. They looked embarrassed as he exposed all the evil deeds that they'd been up to. He then calmly delivered the final blow. He wasn't going to ask for the money he'd spent on them back, but they were going to exit our lives and never come back. He told them that if they had even tried to contact me, would have them arrested for fraud, since it was obvious they had come to rip us off. My parents tried to plead as they had nowhere else to go, but it fell on deaf ears. I told my mother that she could sell all the things she had gotten and get some extra cash, or get a job like every other human being, but I was done being their puppet. I had my own life now, and they were not going to ruin it for me. It's just sad when your parents try to lean on you like a crutch and say, You know, we birthed you, or we gave you everything you currently have, we made you exist, therefore you owe everything to us. As if it somehow truly does work that way. I mean, not to mention that these people were horrendous to OP and their partners all along the way too. It's just no surprise that OP and their partner cut them off and said good luck out there in the real world. Good luck on the streets. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen